When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. This is Dave King. I'm your host today. We have coming for you a really cool interview with Mike Scotto with Hoops Hype. Michael Scotto is an insider. He gets a lot of uh, intel. You can find him on hoopshype.com. He covers the league in general, the league overall. He published an article uh, that has a section on DeAndre Ayton trade possibilities in it. And so I got Mike on a podcast uh, with us. He's a good friend of the show to talk through those different possibilities, to talk through who might be more interested than other teams in a DeAndre Ayton trade. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to give a recap of the week and talk through my thoughts on the NBA draft. So stay tuned for this interview with Mike Scotto. But in the meantime, before that, let's talk through what's happened this week. The first topic we need to cover is an article that came out this week by Kevin Pelton of ESPN. Yes, he's the goat shit fame guy who wrote a few years ago on the travesty of the Suns front office this week. He released an article uh, investigating how the Suns look at the NBA draft. And in that article, he said that he shared that some quotes from the Suns front office that say basically they don't really scout the draft. They don't believe in the draft very much. Their big board might have five to seven players on it max. Their big board would be a travesty or mockery of other teams' big boards and we saw that James Jones over the last four years has ra- has not drafted, um, not focused on the draft or drafted very well. He got lucky with Cameron Johnson. He zeroed in on that guy right away. Turned out Cam Johnson was one of the top 10 players from that, from that draft in 2019. That's really great. Uh, but he did buck the trend to get Cam Johnson. Then he went completely in a different direction a year later, grabbing Jalen Smith uh, when nobody would have taken Smith that early. And Smith, while he may turn out to be a good NBA player, wasn't ready for prime time with the Phoenix Suns. In fact, James talked to Kevin Pelton about that and admitted that, you know, Jalen wasn't going to beat out the backup, Jalen McGee, uh, uh, Jalen McGee, JaVale McGee. He wasn't going to beat out JaVale McGee, so he really wasn't worth it to keep on the team. Because James Jones says they're not picks, they're players. So anyway, he doesn't really value the draft. And this article totally focused on him not valuing the draft. But the article did go a little bit far in, 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 in providing a lack of context. And so James Jones was asked in the post-draft interview where the Suns didn't end up making any moves. He, did, he was asked about their big board, and James says, no, 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 no. He laughed. He said, we do have a big board that has every draftable player on it. What we do is we narrow it down to the eight or ten players who fit the best with the Suns. Those are the ones we would target in the draft in lieu of everybody else because they would fit best with the Suns, and 
they just didn't end up finding deals to be able to acquire any of those guys at this time. Now, I will say that some of those, some of the guys that were drafted on Thursday night by teams who are interested in possibly a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton did take players that the Phoenix Suns reportedly liked, including Jeremy Sohan with the ninth pick the uh, San Antonio Spurs took. And uh, he's a guy that the Suns were talking to prior to the draft that they liked, supposedly, and now he's taken by the Spurs, who may very well be interested in a DeAndre Ayton. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out with these draft picks eventually making their way to the Suns if there's a DeAndre Ayton trade with those teams. There were some inter- intriguing players taken by the Detroit Pistons as well. Uh, Jaden Ivey at number five, and then you've got the uh, the young center, Jamie Duran, um, Jalen Duran, excuse me, at uh, 11, I believe, or 12. And he's a young center. So Detroit may still be interested, may not be interested. We'll, we'll talk about all the whole impact of the draft on DeAndre Ayton's suitors here in a little bit with Mike Scotto. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about that article written by Kevin Pelton in that he basically made it seem like the Suns don't care about the draft. They don't really scout it. They don't have many people in their, in their, in their front office. James Jones is quoted. Half the front office is quoted in there. They really don't really value the draft as much as prior GMs did and other GMs of other teams. They really don't. But it did make them look a little bit worse than they really are. Um, and so that yet another Kevin, Kevin Pelton written um, as dispassionately as possible, but also kind of a hit piece. I'm just going to say it. I, I think the Suns do work harder than the article says, but they don't work as hard as most any other team, which was the point, and that's fine. Uh, James Jones, um, so during the draft, the Suns were reportedly looking for to acquiring draft picks. Like I said, they had about eight or ten players they would have wanted to, to, to draft and, and, and to acquire. But uh, Jones says there were a few guys. Here's Jones in a quote. There were a few guys, a number of guys that we targeted. Just the deals that we had didn't come together. But I thought that the draft had some quality depth at some of the positions. Ultimately, we weren't able to execute some of those trades. And now we'll look forward to free agency. Free agency does include trades, other trades, and that could include getting draft picks back. But we all know James Jones doesn't actually really believe in a 20-year-old making a difference on a contender because he hasn't acquired any of those. And when he did acquire one, Jalen Smith, he buried the guy, or at least the, 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 the roster he built ended up burying the guy. So I don't know what's going to happen with these last two drafts or whether the Suns are going to be acquiring any young players going forward. What I do know is that the Suns will probably be one of the oldest teams in the league this coming season. Last year, they were in the among the 10 oldest teams in the league at an average age of 27.5 years. If they keep the same team going ahead one more year, They'll likely be <laughs> a year older, and if they get to the 28-and-a-half range on age, they'll be in the fi- among the five oldest teams. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means they're probably going to be like the other contenders. If you actually look at the contenders for this past season, uh, the contenders this past season were pretty old. Golden State really relied on their, on their, on their older veterans to win their championship. Guess what? Golden State was actually, even though we all talked about 19-year-old guy this and 20-year-old guy that and how they gave 
big um, big minutes to um, their their rookies. They, Golden State was uh, older than the Suns this past year, and will continue to be older going forward because their core players are all in their thirties. Who other teams that are older than the Suns? Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets, Utah Jazz, and Los Angeles Lakers. The Clippers are the same age as the Suns. The Philadelphia 76ers are just a little bit younger. Dallas Mavericks just a little bit younger. What do those guys have in common? They're contenders. The Boston Celtics made the finals at average age of 26. I guess what I'm saying is that James Jones believes that veterans and age win championships, and we cannot expect him to do anything differently going forward while this team is in their contending window. That doesn't mean he wouldn't be a totally different GM when they become a a team that's rebuilding or at least restructuring. But while they're in the contending window, don't be surprised on days like that where the Thursday NBA draft, they do nothing. Um, I don't think his heart was in it. He wasn't really trying to get into the draft because he doesn't believe that 20-year-olds help you win championships. Uh, and, uh, And that's just the philosophy James Jones has. So that's the draft. The Suns did nothing in the draft. They ended up not even signing any players to two-ways because they already have Ife Lumberg on a two-way that they're going to keep on a two-way, and they're going to bring him to Summer League. They did sign a guy, Lewis King, who is a 23-year-old guy um, who uh, had been the MVP of the 2021 Summer League for another team, but hasn't really cracked into the NBA. He is 6'7". He's got a 7-foot wingspan. He is a wing. He did shoot 40% in the G League on threes. Um, so he's potentially a guy who could grow into a role kind of like a Derek Jones type guy um, as far as like late developer, I mean. Um, Derek, Derek Jones Jr. Suns fans will remember. It's possible someone like that could pan out, but that's the kind of guy the Suns are going to be bringing to Summer League. So in between the NBA draft where the Suns did nothing and Summer League where the Suns are going to probably have one of the weirdest looking teams with weird um, uh, overseas and 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 second third year um, rookie they're not rookies anymore but they've been trying to make it in the league three or four years and haven't made it yet that's what the Sun Summer League team is going to look like it's going to be blah the draft day was blah what happens in between is the most important thing what happens in between is the first two weeks first week and a half of free agency that's when we're going to find out what the Suns are really going to do this coming year. James Jones did have a couple of quotes from the post-draft interview um, where he was, where he was, where he you know took media questions, and he did say that the Suns are going to look around. Uh, certainly, free agency is really important. He did express some love for DeAndre Ayton, who everyone is pointing out or or, or saying that the Suns are very motivated to move and assign and trade. Um, he said, "DA remains a huge part of what we do." And he's a free agent, so we'll talk about free agency when that time that time comes. But that hasn't changed. I think you hear his teammates. His teammates all during JaVale McGee's Jug Life uh, charity, they all said they love DA. They're going to let free agency play it out, but they would love to have him on the team next year. They want him back. I think when you, you hear his teammates, James Jones said, they echo the same sentiment that we have. This is a really good team, and we want to keep it together. Here's the thing. I did a radio interview this week, <clears throat> and they asked... What can the Suns do to become contenders again? The simplest answer for the Suns to become contenders again is to keep the same team together. You've got a really, really good team. 
It doesn't matter if you think all the other teams in the league are going to get better. We heard that last year. We heard that the year before, that uh, the, rest of the, re- the rest of the West is going to be so tough. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the Suns have won more games in the past two years than anybody else. They've also played in more playoff games than any other team other than the Bucks in the last two years. The Suns and Bucks have both played in the same number of playoff games because the Bucks also lost in seven games in the second round this year. Uh, you've, got, you've got nobody else who's been more successful than the Suns, and they've got their same team coming back. You can have your questions and worries about Chris Paul, and you're right to have them. At some point, he's going to fall off a cliff. But this team, as built, is a contender as it is. So anything the Suns do this summer has to make them even better, not draw them backwards. James Jones wants a championship, so I feel like when they make their moves in the first two weeks of July, um, July 1st be coming up really quick next Thursday, uh, you're going to see the Suns doing things to end up be- being even more contendery, or they're not going to do anything at all. There is rumors out there that they're seeing what people will pay for, uh, you know, to to get Jay Crowder. Uh, I think the Suns are going to change over about half their team, but I, I'm not 100% convinced DA is going to be part of that. He will be if the Suns can get good return either for their current team or for another team in a three-team trade or a three-way that gets the Suns a better player than DA. But I, I am 99% sure that the worst we're going to see is that DA comes out of this summer as the Suns' third best, second best player. The other chance within that 99% is they come out back with somebody better than DA as that second, third best player. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Free agency starts next Thursday. And I'm looking forward to seeing what James Jones is going to do with this team. But it could very well be that the Suns don't do a ton because they're already a contender. Okay, so that's my intro. That's the recap of the week. I'm not as disappointed with the draft as a lot of people were because they wanted the Suns Suns to basically do something. The Suns didn't do anything because they've already got a contender in-house, and most everybody is under contract for the next year. So if the Suns do anything, it's going to be trades for the most part. All right, now I'm going to leave you uh, with a a quick, just a discussion of our sponsor. And then right after that, we have an interview with Mike Scotto because the Suns' biggest questions is, what are they going to do with DeAndre Ayton? And what other teams could DeAndre Ayton be traded to and what kind of return they can get for DeAndre Ayton. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll, we'll catch back up with you guys real soon. Real quick, let's talk about our friends at DraftKings. I know the NBA Finals is over. There's nothing more to bet on there, although with the NBA, you could bet on the Suns having the six best odds at the, at the championship next year, but that's really all there is to bet on at the moment in the NBA world. But hockey fans, this is the time for you. The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports now that the NBA is over. New customers can bet five bucks on any team to win, and one hundred, and you get one hundred dollars in free bets no matter what. You got parlays, you got big payouts on that. Same game parlays, all that's really really fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. There are minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you are crazy busy this time of year. Uh, first thing, before we get into the Sun-specific trades, because this is a Sun's podcast, I want to get in. I want to get a glimpse into the day of the life of a guy like you in going through draft day. What was draft day like? Did you get any sleep last night at all? How how often was your phone buzzing? Tell me everything you were hearing yesterday. Uh, I mean, yesterday was a whirlwind. Um, you know, at the draft specifically, I had heard Oklahoma City had given the Knicks the three first round picks, but before reporting it, I started getting word about like other stuff happening and it becoming a multi-team deal. And then, you know, obviously other people are reporting on it too. And some people have some things, some people have another. And I'm, I actually joked with one of my guys that, um, one of my sources, like my head is spinning. He goes, me too. <laughs> and, and it was that kind of a complicated, um, evening. I think certainly when you look at some of those trades, um, I think yeah. Jake Fisher, that was with um, – wait, that was with uh, – who were the teams involved? The Knicks, Tell me that. the Knicks, the Thunder, the Hornets. It, 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 but there right. were other things too that were just a little even, – even with Paolo. Oh, the Bay, Thunder Carol. moved up into the Knicks spot, and the Knicks got future first-round picks and stuff, right? And, yeah, and even with, um, you know, Paolo Bancaro, you know, I'm talking to his camp like right beforehand to see what's going on, and then you've got um, – total uncertainty there. You know, I, I had wrote on type that they didn't know what was going on, quite frankly, until a couple of minutes on the clock. They, they never worked out there. Um, as I had wrote on hoopsite.com, they were supposed to take a visit on Sunday, but it fell through. They never ended up rescheduling it. And then while they're on the clock, Orlando, after 8 p.m., then they're finding out. It, it, it's, it was unbelievable. The level of secrecy that Orlando had throughout the, the process, you know, I mean, usually the level of secrecy with Bancaro's own camp. That's wild. I think just in general, they were extremely tight lipped on information and that's fine to an extent, but like, I mean, did Paolo think he could go on? Yeah. But he had no idea till being on the clock, you know, poor Jabari Smith is sitting there thinking he's the guy and he ends up falling to three, um, and he never worked out for Houston. You know, you had the Vegas odds makers the night before shifting the odds. Then in the morning there were reports that it's going to be the typical one, two, three. Then the odds shifted again. Then before the draft, about 30 minutes beforehand, they shifted again. I mean, it was lighting up like Times Square on New Year's Eve, and then you asked me about sleep. I don't know what that is this past week. <laughs> I, know. I probably had anywhere between – let's say on average four to seven hours a night, depending on what's going on. Um, seven's pushing it. Um, you know, and now it's like, I have a little bit of time, I think this weekend to kind of catch up. And then, you know, it, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio, the show goes on, you know, it's just <laughs> like Wall Street. We, we get right. Hey, if you're Le if you're living Leo's life, you're living large. That's good. So let's go. We'll go with that one. Um, so tell me yesterday, how many different teams did you connect with one way or another? Uh, I didn't connect with all 30, but like it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, the bigger thing was for me, once the, the um, 
once the draft was happening and then like it was towards the end, it's more like, all right, well, who's getting a two-way? Who's getting right. exhibit 10s? And then honestly, looking really further ahead, and I mean, we'll touch on it, but like what's next for some of these bigger free agents? How did the draft affect guys like DeAndre Ayton, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, guys like that? Um, to me, that was, uh, you know, even Tyus Jones. Um, the, to me, that was the bigger question, I think, ultimately, um, you know, when you were looking at uh, the landscape pretty much. And that's what I was trying to do most of the night and, and staying up late to, to write my Intel piece for the morning on Hoopsite. Yeah. Um, OK, so let's uh, let's talk about the Suns here. But before we get to Aiden, did you hear um, at all? Like, do you hear about teams that are trying to be aggressive, even if they don't get things done? Or do you mostly hear about it when it's about to get done? I'm curious if the Suns were active, uh, just didn't get anything done, or if they were kind of just out of the picture. I can't really say I heard a ton on the Suns. I would say that um, I think, you know, for the Suns, the real talk is going to be whether they're going to ultimately bring back Aiton or work the sign and trade conversations. And that's kind of what I wrote about. And I'm sure we're going to get into on, on this podcast episode, but that was really the main thing. It was more for them towards an eye, eye towards like post the draft and, and what's coming at the start of free agency, which is a week away as of this recording. Yeah. Right. So we've got this, uh, you and I are recording the day after the draft free agency is just under a week away. And um, at that point, teams can start negotiating with each other. Look, we all know there's a little bit of tampering. There's a lot of talk between teams and agents and players and stuff that goes on behind the scenes. In fact, two teams were so obvious about it last year that they lost their second round picks in this year's draft because they worked so so far in advance of, of actual free agency starting. Um, but let's assume for the moment that there's no real uh, knowledge of with, sorry, if you're going to sign and trade Deandre Ayton in free agency, there's a lot of parts that have to be put together. That's right. almost too many parts to have coordinated the entire thing ahead of time. Right. I mean, it's like, it feels like the, the things that are coordinated ahead of time are player signing with a team. You wouldn't, some you big, wouldn't be referencing tampering, Dave, would you? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, but is this where it's a multi-team required thing where you're doing trades and, and trying to sign and trade? Does that um, ever happen before July 1, or is that really they wait until July? Um, I mean, you know, technically it's after July 1, right? Uh, go with that. Um, you know, they have a good feel for each other's desires before. Well, you know, I'll say this: you know, from your own player, like like Phoenix and Aiton can have their own conversations. He's their own player. Yeah, they can. Have um, their own I'm sure they have. A, they're going to have a sense over the next. The way it was explained to me was the draft. You know, once the draft was done, you know, there would be some follow up conversations there between both sides, and and uh-huh. to see kind of where where things stand. You have to. You're a week away from the draft. Now is the time to do it and really solidify it because ultimately, you know, I think obviously Aiton and his camp still want a max contract. There's no doubt about it. And if Phoenix isn't willing to do that, well, then what's next? Um, can they get that max offer sheet somewhere else? And, you know, ultimately – you kind of don't want it to get to the offer sheet point, I think, if you're Phoenix, because if he's going to get a, a max offer sheet, you're not going to let him walk for nothing, but they don't seem to want to pay him a max either. So then, 
you know, there would be an understanding there of a sign and trade uh, with the said team and trying to get back as many assets as you can where it's feasible. Um, it can definitely be complicated. You saw what happened with the Spencer Dimwitty uh, deal years ago, um, years ago, when, when he went to Washington. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a really complicated thing that took a lot of time. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was absurd. I, I do remember that. But I, I think that's ultimately where it's going to be. Um, yeah. So, so, so with Aiton, um, like you said, he's, he's looking for a max contract. He always has been. He's never been shy of that. Um, I think I'm, I'm assuming his camp understands that going into this summer, if they're going to get an offer, the offer is going to be a little bit less than he wanted a year ago because it's only four years and at 5% raises, but it's still the same starting number. Yeah. And uh, the Suns are still reluctant just to give it to him right off the bat. I think that's very clear. The Suns are not going to throw that contract at him before July 1 and just say, here we go. Just kidding. Um, they're, they're definitely going to hold out and see yeah. what kind of best offer Aiden, Aiden can get. The biggest suitor going into yesterday was the Detroit Pistons, according to uh, what has come out. But the Pistons drafted an 18-year-old center um, by trading back into uh, the late lottery. And, and you wrote today that that puts their, 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 their intentions in question because they might just stay with that rather than uh, go with the go with DeAndre Ayton and a big max. Have you heard any more on that? And what do you really think is, has changed, if anything? What I know is that Troy Weaver has had um, an affinity for DeAndre Ayton since 2017. Um, he's been very high on him. Now, with that said, I know some people around the league wondered once they got Jalen Duran how that would affect things. They also have Isaiah Stewart, um, who they recently got in the draft. I think when you're a rebuilding team, you got to ask yourself, and I wrote this also for the Pacers as well, if there was a hypothetical scenario where, you know, Miles Turner could be involved in a sign and trade, um, mm -hmm. certainly come up in trade talks. And both Turner and uh, Aiton are represented by Bill Duffy of BDA Sports. So that's something to keep in mind. But for both teams, you know, when you talk to like rival executives, especially, the question becomes, do those rebuilding teams want to invest a max contract in a center? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if it's, you know, Joel Embiid or, you know, Nikola Jokic, you know. A non-all-star center. Yeah, you know. That's the that, question. That's, that's where, what it comes down to. Um, it's hard to say still right now. I, I think they're still certainly in the mix. I think, you know, some people early on when the report came out about Damian Lillard, if he – you know, if they would move off of Nurkic and go for Aiton, uh, it's not the vibe I'm getting right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, my understanding and speaking with sources was that Portland kept Yusuf Nurkic past the trade deadline with the intent to re-sign him in the offseason. And a week away, that remains uh, the case as of now. I think that um, what's interesting here is then you've got San Antonio potentially has cap space. Can they get more to get Aiton? Do they do a potential sign and trade or something where Jakob Podol um, mm -hmm. is involved there? I, I think that, that's just a, a hypothetical. That's that's not. Yeah, I've got this feeling that um, it's interesting because Tim Duncan made his entire a lot of his career um, as you know as the center in as the big man. 
not wanting ever to call himself a center, but the big man in Greg Popovich's offense, yeah. and they won five championships together. I think it was five. Was it four or five? Um, but they won a lot of championships together. And um, not to say that DeAndre Ayton has the same mindset or mental toughness as a Tim Duncan, certainly isn't maximizing his skills as much as Tim Duncan did. I can imagine that if there's a coach out there who would make the most of Ayton's skill set, which is not a pick and roll diver because Tim Duncan was never a pick and roll diver, but he, he found his offense around the, around the edges of the paint, just like Aiton is. And he can finish obviously inside and he can defend. Well, it seems like Greg Popovich would be one of those guys who would say, look, man, I'm going to make him an all-star and we're going to win a championship. I mean, you would certainly think that, but again, they're in a rebuilding situation. What do they do with DeJounte Murray? Um, obviously, the asking price on him is high, but even the fact that he was available kind of raised a little Showed bit. Them, yeah, right, right. right. That was weird. Um, I, I can't say I was totally shocked by it, but um, because I quietly, you know, he always had a high asking price, and if somebody was willing to meet it, they would listen. But, you know, this is a guy that's a mid-20s all-star that can get a triple-double on a nightly basis. So right. – you know, I think now time will tell on that. But, um, you know, Aiden has to – for Aiden to get the max money he wants, he has to get it somewhere else because he's not getting in Phoenix. That's right. that's what this really um, boils down to ultimately, uh, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is – so when it comes to total, like, cap flexibility – there are there are teams out there who could put together the cap, cap flexibility to assign him to an offer sheet, mm-hmm. but really it's not going to be it's going to be a sign and trade. It's the Suns are not going to let him go. And, and, and Dave, I, would uh, just, I would look at the Hawks, Dave. Just one other team um, to yeah. keep in mind because Clint Capella is there. Play with Chris Paul. Um, you know they're a young team. Trey Young is is around the same age as eight and. Um, I, I, and you know, they want to keep DeAndre Hunter and extend him. They've got on Yeka Okongwu. I think that Aiton would fit their core better in a way than Clint Capella. Um, so just something to keep an eye on there for sure. I would say. Yeah, I've heard, um, I, I haven't heard anything specific on Atlanta for sure. They did keep John Collins past the draft, which people thought he would be traded by the draft. Um, that could net better return for the Suns in a sign and trade, but you definitely, I think it's going to have to, as, as you're saying, it has to be a sign and trade. No one's going to sign eight, not right. And then the Suns allow him to just leave to an offer sheet. So while Detroit might be close, uh, to being able to wanting to do that, the Suns wouldn't just let him go. No. So it will be really interesting. I think the teams you've listed are the most likely, obviously. Um, I did, um, I did wonder if there's going to be any, uh, surprise teams but really then it becomes a lot more complicated and you don't know who's trying to get rid of who what what's the latest you heard now i know it came out yesterday i think it was just yesterday that kevin durant has officially or at least publicly made it known that he is willing to look at other teams and possibly leave the nets and tell Kyrie to go do what he wants is there what's the latest on that the latest on that is there's obviously t- a little bit of tension there between Kyrie Irving and, and Brooklyn Nets management. I think um, I would imagine within the next couple of days, they're going to figure this out because we're a week before free agency. And then you've got other dominoes, you know, going into effect, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk to other agents and stuff and them trying to figure out if Brooklyn could be a fit for their guy for an, uh, you know, a bench role, you know, 
that's not their priority right now, Brooklyn. Their priority is trying to figure out this whole Kyrie thing and then all the dominoes fall from there. I mean, ideally, I can tell you that Brooklyn wanted to go into this upcoming season with Durant, Irving, Simmons, Joe Harris, um, and, and that core and, and really try to compete. They felt good about their roster and what they could be. Um, ultimately, obviously, that hinges on Kyrie Irving. I think when it comes to – you know, Kyrie's wanted to stay in Brooklyn. He's wanted to do this with Kevin Durant. He's clearly using Durant as leverage to get the full money that he wants or as close to it as he can. Mm-hmm. At some point, this is going to come to a head. Um, you know, I had written a story previously on Hoops Hype that, you know, a lot of teams out there were afraid of trading for Kyrie Irving, quite frankly. Um I don't know if the appetite for him now has changed. Again, he remains unvaccinated. You know, could that ever creep up and be an issue again if the COVID pandemic changes? And and Mm. depending on what city you're in, you know, I think that could, uh, that's something that. Well, part of it's just his willingness not to play basketball. I mean, even the year before. Yeah, he took took time off. He just took two weeks off. His unavailability has certainly been uh, a source of contention within the organization, no question about it. Um, but when he is on the court, he's an electrifying talent and they form one of the most dynamic one, two punches in the league. So that's mm. the uh, caveat there at that. So we shall see. Yeah, we shall see. So um, I, Kevin Durant has, has at least put, maybe he's putting pressure on the nets. Maybe, maybe the uh, release, well, I don't know, the leak or whatever that he is willing to look around at other teams and force a trade if Kyrie leaves was really pressure to just get the nets to close in on keeping Kyrie in the fold as opposed to having him look around. Uh, but if Kyrie leaves and the nets don't want to sign him to what Kyrie wants and yeah. he goes somewhere else, um, what are the chances Kevin Durant insists on a trade out of out of he's got four years left on his deal? I think it all depends on then what the contingency plan would be for the Nets to replace Kyrie Irving. If you're going to do, you know, a, a situation where it's either a sign and trade or you know an opt in, and then he's flipped. However you want to do it, what are then the scenarios for them to replace? Kyrie Irving, that's then the follow-up. Um, nobody knows for sure yet. I, I think to say that he's a, would evaluate options would be accurate because you don't know what it's going to be at that point. You have to give it a little time and see. Um, time will tell. It's still we still got, I think, a few days before things start to really crystallize. Okay. So basically for the – on the Andre Ayton front – You've got um, the Pistons potentially, although now that they got that, that young center, maybe not. Mm-hmm. You got the Spurs potentially, the Hawks, the Pacers. Um, are there any other teams besides those that that could be interested in DeAndre Ayton that you've heard of? I mean, let's say yeah, Detroit, Atlanta, San Antonio, maybe Indiana, maybe. Although I don't think Indiana, given the fact that they're in a rebuild again, I don't think they're going to want to pay him a max. Okay. but we'll see. It's yeah, possible. Um, I, I, I've basically crossed out Portland, thinking that Nurkic is going back there. Uh, yeah, and they they look like they're they're uh, if they're they can. Work. I don't know if they're going to get OG and Anobi there, but they certainly already got Jeremy Grant. And if they bring back use of Nurkic, Nurkic, they're they're looking pretty good for next year. I think that 
I think, you know, OG Ananobi, this is what I would say. If OG Ananobi is getting traded, I think it's for an elite guy like Rudy Gobert. I mean, that's who Toronto would want for sure. And I'm, I'm pretty confident they would want him more than Miles Turner, for example, in, a, in an upgrade for a center. So, yeah, I, I you know. If you're gonna well, let me ask on Toronto. So we've heard about the other centers, right, Rudy? You just mentioned Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner. That how come DeAndre Ayton has not come up in in that conversation where the Suns would get Ananobi? That would be an interesting scenario because um, uh, Ananobi would fit into that weird base year compensation rule that they'd have to trade Ayton under and all. Um, Toronto's looking for a center. Aiden's mobile. He's more mobile than Rudy. Um, that would be, that'd be, but you haven't heard anything on that front. Not yet. Um, no, I mean, I'm certainly going to keep digging, but not yet. And I mean, as you can tell, like I'm buzzing. Yeah, yeah. Here, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let, let me know if you do hear that and, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon. Thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Uh, let us know where we can find you and uh, where we should be looking over the next uh, few weeks, if not a few years. Sure thing, Dave. I mean, you can certainly keep up with my tweets at Mike A. Scotto, M-I-K-E, A is in Anthony, Scotto, S-C-O-T-T-O, hoopsype.com. Uh, check out the Hoopside podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Uh, we, we had been doing team off-season previews throughout uh, and those were a lot of fun bringing on some beat writers as well and, and chopping it up back and forth with my own original reporting and their thoughts as well. Certainly check that out. And uh, it's going to be a busy summer coming up. So looking forward to yeah, it. it. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Man. My pleasure.